Galatians chapter 2. Our next verses in the book of Galatians. This is a fun one. Doesn't appear to be fun, but I think as we tear into it a little bit, you might think it's kind of fun. Verse 11, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. But when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch. Now, Antioch was one of the headquarters of the Apostle Paul. So they were in Jerusalem. They agreed. In Jerusalem, they agreed that Peter would focus on the Jews and Paul would focus on the Gentiles. They agreed on the gospel message. They agreed that Jesus Christ came, died, was buried, and rose from the grave, and that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. He's at the right hand of God, and it's through Jesus that everyone is saved. They agreed on that. They were excited about that. There was a feeling of unity. We're together. We can move forward together. We have an assignment. God's at work. The Holy Spirit's at work. And so just a little later on, but when Peter came to Antioch, Paul said, I opposed him to his face. There you go. Peter and Paul squared off. You ever heard that? A squaring off place? A squaring off place is where you meet to fight. When I went to Glenmore Elementary School in San Angelo, Texas, two blocks from the school, there was a circle that was between four neighborhood roads, and we would square off at the circle. I'll meet you at the circle, meant it's going to happen today. I've spent many afternoons after school at the circle, either participating or watching. It was a lovely experience. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Now, not condemned that he was going to go to hell, but condemned that he was wrong. That's what the word there refers to. And so, when Peter came up here to see me, Paul says, I got right in his face because I witnessed him being wrong and I weren't going to stand for it. That's added. That's my words. Verse 12, this is what he saw. For before certain men came, so everything was okay when it was just Peter and Paul and the Gentile believers. Everything was okay. Everything was tickety-boo. Everything was in order. But before certain men came from James, James the lesser here in Jerusalem, one of the leaders, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. He was eating catfish. He was eating shrimp. He was eating bacon. Yeah, boy. I don't know what they were eating. But the Gentiles, they like bacon. They like ribs. They liked it. And they liked things that the Jews wouldn't eat. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. First thought is, did you ever think Peter would fear anything? This is Peter. Now, he did deny the Lord. He, did, he, he got caught up in all that. He denied the Lord when Jesus was arrested 
And it took a little young, young maiden girl to say to him, you are with them. And he says, man, I have nothing to do with him. Three times he denied Jesus for the rooster crowed. But when these Jews came from Jerusalem, he, he withdrew from the Gentiles because he was afraid of what they thought. I mean, he got uncomfortable with it. He, he was just caught up in it. And it says that he withdrew back and he separated himself because he feared the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. Now, wait a minute. You just got through agreeing that the Holy Spirit came to the Gentiles when they believed. Peter, you were the one that was sent to Cornelius at Caesarea, and, and when they heard the truth about Jesus, they believed in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit came to them. And so it's already been established here. We already know that the Gentiles believe in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. We already know that the gospel is for the Gentiles, just like the gospel is for the Jews. Why in the world are you drawing back? What's happening here? And we see that the hypocrisy was, was progressing and it was contagious. And all the Jews wouldn't have anything to do with the Gentiles. So Paul's upset because they believed one thing and they did another. That's hypocrisy. Paul is upset because they're allowing fear to get in the way of the gospel, the gospel. You know, I, I, I find it very interesting today that there are people, and I don't want to argue this point at all. I just want to lay this out there as an observation. You, you have your beliefs. I don't know what I believe about it. I believe in the gospel. But there are people today that believe in climate change. There are people that in that climate change thing believe that we only got a few years left on it. Some have said 2000, you know, and what, 28, we're going to be gone. 2032, we're going to be gone. That if we keep on doing what we're doing with fossil fuels, we're going to be done. I don't believe they believe that. You know why I don't think they believe that? Because they're still driving cars. They're still flying on planes. Now, if, if I believe that we only had six years left or a few years left, I'm going to park my little Toyota. I think I would. I don't know how I'd navigate in this world. I don't know how I'd go about it. But they say, we must do this. We must, we must act on it because if we don't, then, then the world's going to end. Would, wouldn't you be preaching the gospel? Wouldn't you be riding a bicycle? You sure wouldn't be in a convoy like the politicians do with 20 Suburbans going down the road. None of them are electric. I don't think they got one yet that's electric. They do. I don't know about it. If they do, it's going to cost us 200 grand each, right? And so I think about those things, and I think about the Christian application to that. If we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, why are we quiet about that? Just like the climate change thing, same illustration, same application to that. I mean, you do what you believe. We all do what we believe. And so they agreed in Jerusalem what the gospel was. They agreed what the truth was. They agreed what their assignment was. They're going to take the gospel to their world by their assignments. But here they are together, and the very first thing happens when the Jews come up and visit Peter. Peter 
is wrong because he's either eating the same food the Gentiles or at least he's sitting with them. You know they were fellowshipping. You know they were sipping some wine at night. You know they were enjoying the company of one another. They were probably laughing. I think Peter was probably a funny fella. I think he had lots of fishing stories. He had lots of things to talk about. I don't find Peter being without words. And I think Peter went to a party and he probably was one of the leaders of, the, of all the shenanigans that took place at the party. I think he had a good time. It's just his nature. It's his personality. It's who he is. But when the Jews come, oh, what are they going to think about me sitting with these Gentiles? That had already been agreed upon that it's okay. We're brothers. We're under the gospel. We're under the Lord. And he withdrew from them because he was afraid. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. So there's, there's two sins here that Paul is committing. He is committing the sin of fear, and he's committing the sin of hypocrisy. I think you can be wrong, but be real about it. And the Lord is much better with that than being wrong and being fake about it. I really believe that. We're still wrong. It still needs to be corrected. There still needs to be repentance, but we're not hypocritical. We're wrong, and we're open about it. We're wrong, and we're not trying to hide it. But that wasn't Peter's case. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Barnabas, the encourager. Oh, my. Can you imagine how hard that was for Barnabas? That he would turn his back on the Gentiles for fear of what these Jews would think. Interesting how that works, isn't it? Isn't it interesting how that works in the body of Christ today? Believe one thing, do another. Say one thing, do another. Say amen to our faith, the basics of our faith, the gospel message, the things that we agree about, and then do another, hypocritical, wearing a mask, acting, Pretend, two-face is what hypocrisy means. It says in verse 14, but when I saw that their conduct, conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all. Now, you're probably thinking, why didn't he do it the Matthew 18 way? If you see a problem, you go to them privately and you get it fixed. And if that doesn't work, you take two or three witnesses with you. If that doesn't get fixed, then you take it before the church. But this is not a personal matter here for Paul. This is a church matter, and he addressed them publicly. He wanted everyone to hear what was going on was wrong. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the gospel, not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? How in the world can you display so much out of step with the gospel? Now, out of step with the gospel, you know what that means. It's the idea of a military group marching. And they got a guy over there that calls it out, doesn't he? 
Very simple. You would think it's not needed. You would think it's too elementary for them being trained and all those kind of things. But the man will say or the lady will say, left, 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 right, left. It's an amazing thing. I've seen Marines march like that. It's an amazing thing. A six foot seven guy and a five foot two guy, their heel touches at the same time. Left, right, left, right, left, left, right. What's going on? That's the cadence there. That's the way they stay in step with each other. And what Paul says here is believers need to be in step for the gospel. And by shunning the Gentiles and by separating themselves from the Gentiles, they were out of step with the gospel. And so the people would see that. They would see that the Jews and the Gentiles aren't able to get along. They would say, this Jesus thing may not be real. They would think the gospel is not important. I mean, when Christian people don't love each other, that's what happens. That's what happens. In Jerusalem, at the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, there's a fascinating thing taking place. It's still taking place. I, I saw it when we were there just a few months ago. There is a ladder that is above the front door to the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. And above the front door to the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, there is a little balcony, and there is a little wooden ladder that's there. Now, the church is run by the Catholics, by the Armenians, and the Greek Orthodox, and the Coptics have a part in theirs too, but they're not one of the main players in the management and the ownership of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is the place believed to be by most scholars where Jesus died on the cross and you walk through the front door, and there's, a, there's, a, there's steps right there, and you walk up those steps right there, and, and that's the place. It's above the ground floor, and that's where they believe Jesus died on the cross. Then you come down the other side, and you walk, and there's a slab of looking like granite is out there, and they believe this is where he was laid when he was taken down from the cross. And then just a little bit down, not a, not a long way, but a few yards, maybe 30, 40 yards from there, is what they believe to be the tomb, the sepulcher, the place where Jesus was alive, Joseph of Arimathea, Arimathea tomb, the rich man's tomb, nobody been laid there, and that Jesus was placed in there, and you walk in there, you can walk and make a little circle in the tomb where Jesus rose from the grave. So in this facility, in this facility, you've got the cross being celebrated, You've got the burial being celebrated, and you've got the resurrection being celebrated. And at the same time, you've got this wooden ladder that was placed there around 1740, long time ago, and there is a conflict. There is a fight among the Catholics, the Greek Orthodox, and the Armenians about who has the right to take that ladder down, and it's still there today, 300 years. Isn't that amazing? Now, when you heard that, probably the first thought you had, well, that's really, that's really nuts. That doesn't make sense. It sure doesn't make sense. And it's just a little small wooden ladder, and, and today, and I think there's some 
some uh, a legend about it or a possibility. Obviously, the wood, you know, decays and corrupts. But I know today there's a Muslim man that's not affiliated with the Catholic, the Greek Orthodox, the Armenians, and he's allowed to go up, not take the ladder down, but to take his supplies up there, and he fixes the ladder. But they can't agree on taking it down. Those priests have had fistfights over that ladder. Man, I'd love to see that. Can you imagine the, the, the priest coming out with his, his, all the smoke running around and stuff like that and saying, let's meet at the circle today. Yeah, man, fighting over that ladder. Google it. Curtis probably already has. Google it. Google it. Look at it. It's still there. You can see a picture of it. You mean to tell me that the men of the gospel, the people of the gospel, the people that are every single day, their focus is Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus dying and laying on that piece of granite, Jesus being put in the sepulcher, and they're fighting over a little wooden ladder. Yep. Yep. And we're not too good. We ain't too good. We ain't better than them. We fight over some of the silliest stuff as well, don't we? Think about the gospel, how important the gospel is. We sang about it this morning, and man, they said, well, that, that blended thing they do is fantastic. That harmony. They sing in harmony. We sing about that Jesus saves. We sang today that Jesus heals. We sang today that Jesus is the Lord of all. We sang today that, that he's everything for us. And at the same time, we sing those kind of things, and we've got a ladder that's up on a balcony that we can't agree with how to take down. Christian people, just like us, are having those same kinds of conflicts, and there's the gospel. That's what happened here. That's what happened here. The gospel took a back seat to the agreement, to the disagreement. The gospel takes a back seat to what they're fighting over, and they're fighting over the debatables that don't matter. Now, fight over the, the, the non-negotiables. Jesus Christ, Lord of all, God the Father, the Holy Spirit. Fight over the reality. Sure enough, fight over salvation by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I think that we should fight on the, about the blood atonement. We should fight about the things that absolutely are crucial and absolutely matter and, and aren't up for debate. We've got some of those things. We've got a lot of those things that are not up for debate. But the things that are negotiable, the time you have church, how you do church, the methods, and all those kind of things, all the ladders that are up on the balcony, for God's sakes, don't let that be more important than what matters most in the gospel. It's a bad image. It's a bad take. Someone, just like me, needs to sit down with them, priests and say, come on, man, what's going on here? You've got to be kidding me. Are you serious? You mean to tell me that that sorry little ladder that's up there, you can't agree to take down and you fight over it? Now, if you've got some ladders in your life 
that a disagreement has made you disagreeable, there needs to be repentance because of the gospel, because of what really matters. And Jesus said that the world would know that we are his people by our love. And we can't let a ladder get in the way of love. We can't let it happen. There's some lessons from this story that I think are really important. First lesson is there's no evidence between Peter and Paul that this disagreement lasted. Now, we don't know what Peter's response is here. Paul didn't give us any insight about that. There's no evidence about it, but there is no evidence that this disagreement became, that made Paul and Peter disagreeable. They walked on. We can't allow a disagreement to cause us to be disagreeable. You see the difference in those two things? We need to get over it. We need to take the ladder down. Peter was wrong. He was to blame. The sins of fear hypocrisy, and legalism were at work here. Have to be really careful for that. Is our attitude about the disagreement positive with the gospel, in step with the gospel? This disagreement that we're having between a brother and a sister, is it in step, in line with the gospel? Can the gospel be understood by how we're relating with this conflict? That's what we need to ask ourselves. And the hypocrisy, two-faced. Be one way out in the world, be one way in the church. Be the same. That's important. Don't be hypocritical. And then legalism. You know what legalism really is? You think you're better than me? I think I'm better than you. That's really the heart of legalism. Legalism is, of course, in their situation is keeping all the rules, keeping all the, the guidelines for eating and dietary things. And in Acts chapter 10, it's clear the Holy Spirit done spoke and says, you can eat anything you want to do. You are free in Jesus. You are free. But we allow that legalism to creep in sometimes. And the rules and the legalism says, you better not take that ladder down. <laughs> but that's our territory. And if there's anyone going to take it down, we're going to take it down. No, we're going to take it down. No, we're responsible. And they're fighting over who's responsible for the latter. And so be careful with that. Something else to understand, it's really important in the body of Christ. We're going to have disagreements. Families have disagreements. And we need to understand that disagreements are going to happen. The problem is not the disagreement. The problem is how we handle the disagreement. The thing is, in the body of Christ, just like issues with family, there's emotional attachments to it. Man, when you have trouble in your family, it's hard. It's difficult. It's painful. It's emotional. Second to those family conflicts are problems in the body of Christ. You may have noticed that you expect a lot out of your brothers and sisters in the Lord. You may have noticed that you have opinions about how things should be how people should act. And if that's violated, we, we tend, if we're not careful, to focus on what people do or don't do rather than what Christ has done for us in step with the gospel. Betrayal is very, very painful. It's hard. 
We trusted them. We trusted them with our heart. We trusted them with our lives. We trusted them with our life experiences. And it wasn't love back. It's, it's hard. And people just like Peter are wishy-washy. People are wishy-washy, aren't they? I mean, if Peter can be wishy-washy, anybody can be wishy-washy. There are times you just can't count on God's people to do the right thing at the right time. We're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. We're, gonna f we're flawed people, and our responses are going to be flawed. And that's what you have here. Now, I don't think Peter wanted to do that. It was fear that caused me to do that. I don't think Peter wanted to be hypocritical. Peter knows better. But he just, he grew up with these Jews. He knows how these Jews are going to be in his mind, right? And when they showed up, he looked around, and he's eating with these Gentiles, these low rascal Gentiles, these sorry, no good rascals. I mean, you're sitting down, and you're eating with people from Alabama, for God's sakes, Right? You're eating with the Okies. You're eating with, with the Yankees. You can't eat with the Yankees, for God's sakes. I mean, we're Southerners. We can't do that. And, and, and all of a sudden, he's caught up with it, and he goes, oh, that's a conflict. That's a problem I can't handle. And he separated himself from those Jews, I mean, for those Gentiles. Wishy-washy. Man, we need to be careful with our wishy-washy actions. And we need to be gracious with other people's wishy-washy actions. The best of our ability, it's hard. But the most important thing in this Scripture that we have today, the most important thing this conflict teaches us, gospel first. Gospel first. Nothing gets in the way of the gospel first among us. Nothing gets in the way of what Jesus has done for us. He died. He was buried. He rose again. Nothing gets in the way of that, of that wonderful story. Nothing gets in the way. We are in step with the gospel. It means that we reconcile because of the gospel. Now, husband and wife have a problem. They can't resolve it. Neither one will admit they're wrong. Maybe neither one is wrong. Maybe it's a unique situation, and neither one can say they're wrong and, and they don't admit to it. They don't hold on to it. And so there's this, this natural tension that's there because they can't resolve the matter. But they come to the place in their life where they say, our marriage relationship means more than the conflict, and so we're going to be reconciled with each other. We're going to reconcile. We're going to have to let it go, aren't we? We're going to have to set it aside. We're just going to have to move along because... I love you, and you love me, and our relationship's more important than the issue that we're fighting over, than the ladder that's, that's outside on the balcony. We got to do that as believers, too. It's not the marriage. It's the marriage with Christ. It's the gospel that we're most under, that we submitted to, that we surrendered to. And because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are going to let this disagreement go. It's not a disagreement that matters. It's not a disagreement that is one of the non-negotiable things in the Scripture. It's a debatable matter. 
It's a matter that we're not going to let get in the way of what Jesus has done for us. And so we are going to be reconciled. Reconciliation. Another good lesson about a conflict is a conflict that's managed well and handled well and where two people have a disagreement and they come together, it's a wonderful picture of the gospel. It's a wonderful concept. It helps people know what forgiveness is. It helps people understand what grace is. I mean, the people around us, the people that we live by, that we go to school with, go to work with, I promise you, they're just like we are in many cases. They've gone many, many days without ever hearing anyone say, I forgive you, or please forgive me. It's not talked about today. There's not a lot of reconciliation going on in this crazy world that we're in. People just have conflicts and separate. We do that in the body of Christ, just like Peter did. We have conflicts in the body of Christ, and we separate. We separate. It's our nature. It's our cultural thing. People are really good friends, so there's a disagreement. That doesn't honor the gospel. It doesn't honor the gospel at all. We need to work through those disagreements. And we need to hold on to one another because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of the good news, because of salvation, because of salvation. We are here to learn to love God and learn to love others. Not just here in the church. Now, that's our purpose, the vertical and the horizontal, the cross. The cross has a vertical stick and a horizontal stick, the cross. We are here in the world to learn to love God and learn to love others. And as we learn to love others, There'll be messy matters. There'll be conflicts. There'll be troubles. But as we learn to love God, there'll be lesser of them. At least we're not going to allow them to become disagreeable. And as we learn to love one another, the ladder will come down. The ladder will come down. So are you saying those priests don't love each other? The ladder's still there. I mean, I would think if they loved each other, if they loved God with all their heart, and if the gospel was first for them, the ladder wouldn't be there. But what about the deed of the property? Who cares? It's a stinking little wooden ladder. I mean, it ain't four foot tall. It's a little bitty ladder. It just goes up just a little bit. And so whoever put that ladder there in the 1700s was just fixing something that wasn't way up. And I bet there was a weight limit on that ladder. I bet you couldn't be over 175 pounds to get on it. And when we allow a ladder to be more important to us in the gospel, we're not loving God with all of our heart, and we're not loving our neighbor as ourselves. Dearly beloved, God's people, do not let a ladder get in the way of the good news and loving God and loving others. Amen? Take the ladder down. Take the ladder down. Take the ladder down. Say it with me. 
take the ladder down. Think about that in your relationships today. Heavenly Father, help us to love you with all our heart, to be the kind of believers you want us to be, and help us to learn from this scripture that we've talked about today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.